Tony. Hello, Canada. Tony here. Today's date is September 23rd, 2020. Uh, to start off, I actually want to apologize for the poor audio quality of last night's show. I actually have no explanation whatsoever why it is that Lewis and I spend as much time talking over each other as it was recorded because we certainly had a regular conversation like normal so there was just some audio lag and I can't explain why that happened so my apologies and hopefully the next week's show will be a big improvement over last night's. Uh, however hopefully you were still able to enjoy it and at least uh, get most of the points we were trying to get across. So What's on my mind today? Well, this is truly going to be a Canadian common sense rant because I am slightly less than furious now. When I heard the throne speech today, I was actually not really surprised at what I heard. Unfortunately, I was actually expecting to hear what I heard and that's probably why I'm so upset. I was texting with Lewis earlier today talking about the throne speech, what was in it, and said, you know what, I'm so angry I have to go and find a way to calm down. Well, there's a few ways that I like to calm down or ways that I can calm down when I get too upset. One of those would be to maybe go have supper with my wonderful children but they are both young adults and have moved out on their own uh, far away from here. So that was out. Number two would be to go for a nice long drive in my classic car. And I chose that because I decided there probably wasn't a number three that would be suitable. So after having a nice long drive out in the open highway on a beautiful sunny day here in Saskatoon, I'm still mad. And why am I mad? Because of the throne speech. And why should I be mad when the throne speech was all that I expected it to be? Here we go. As throne speeches go, I have to admit it was actually a pretty good speech as far as it you know, accomplished what a throne speech is supposed to. It discussed where the government has been what the government is doing and what the government wants to do going forward. And it went in detail through all of those things. So that's exactly what a throne speech is designed to do. So in that way, good, I guess. And I have to admit, as much as I hate to give the CBC credit for anything, the CBC actually did a very good job in its coverage of the throne speech. Don't get me wrong, their, uh, their bias still showed and they still hold their, their position as the propaganda arm of the Liberal Party of Canada. So that, that, that's all still intact. But I got to admit their coverage was actually quite good. And because their coverage was actually quite good, I got to hear all of what was in that throne speech and the CBC's interpretation of it. But of course, they were also able to interview other party officials. So 
what was in the throne speech that got me so angry? Probably as much what was not in there as what was in there. But let's just start with what was in there. We had uh, heard about, you know, this uh, green economy and, you know, the way to rebuild Canada and in 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 all this greenness. And there was some hints that perhaps they were going to back off of that somewhat because green industries are always quite heavily subsidized. What does that mean? They take our tax dollars just like every other government program has been. However, that was not the case as far as these green programs being scuttled. No, no, we're going full steam ahead with all of our green economy. So what kind of ideas do they have for a green economy? Well, we should all get ourselves some electric vehicles because they work so well when it's 45 below in the middle of the prairies. And, of course, not only should we all have our electric vehicles, we should certainly be transitioning off of fossil fuels and getting more solar and wind power. Again, I live in the middle of the prairies where our temperature ranges from 40 above in the summer to 60 below in the winter. And once you are past 30 below, wind turbines simply are not effective. And they actually shut them off at 30 below. No kidding. They, they literally turn the turbines off because they cannot function at 30 below. We get a lot of that in our five months of winter here in the prairies. Solar panels. Solar panels are a horrible idea in a region of the country where you get a crap ton of snow every winter. Oh, that's actually almost all of Canada that gets a crap ton of snow in the winter. And no, the sun does not melt the snow off of those dark solar panels. If you want proof, Mr. Trudeau, I can send you photos of inches of snow burying solar panels. Solar and wind do not work in a Canadian winter. Do not make us find out the hard way because we out here, the real people, already know this for a fact. However, Mr. Trudeau's never one to let facts get in the way. So let's push ahead with our green economy. Let us transition off of fossil fuels by legislating that Canada be, reduce itself to net zero emissions by 2050. Make it law to destroy Canada's economy. Great idea. The demand for oil and gas is set to increase until 2050. But let's just get out of that game right now. Even though we sit on the world's third largest known oil reserve. Yeah, you wouldn't want to try to get that out to market and maybe make a little money off an industry that is fully 10% of Canada's GDP. Yes, 10% of our GDP is from oil and gas. But no, no, let us shut that down. And let us not consider all the secondary and tertiary industries that spin off from the oil and gas sector. And what was Mr. Trudeau's olive branch to Western Canada and the oil and gas sector? Here's the one line I heard from the throne speech. Quote, farmers and ranchers will have to be part of the transition from oil and gas or from fossil fuels, my bad. Farmers and ranchers 
will have to be part of the transition from fossil fuels. Okay? How do you uh, suppose that will happen, that we'll just overnight, farmers and ranchers will just quickly get off of those fossil fuels? Are the farmers going to be drying their grain with sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows? Um, will combines suddenly start running on sunny ways and unicorn you-know-what flatulence? Um, I'm confused here. Suddenly, if we rid ourselves of oil and gas, are we going to suddenly electrify everything? Well, it's a transition process. Well, solar and wind and electric vehicles still have not hit prime time as far as marketability is concerned. They still need government subsidies to survive. Therefore, they would not make it on their own, which tells me they are not viable products. What is a viable product? Oil and gas. What have I said for decades already? The oil and gas age will not end for a lack of oil and gas. We will find a better technology from which to derive energy. We just have not got there yet. And when we do, we will find something that is plentiful, cheaper, and more efficient than oil and gas. I know we will get there because we are humans and the human innovative spirit is amazing. But, as I said, we are not there yet. So we can't just force ourselves off of oil and gas. As much as Mr. Trudeau would like to phase out the oil sands tomorrow, that is just not going to happen. So instead, let's just destroy 10% of our GDP and find subsidies for inefficient power sources somewhere. Who knows where? Moving on. What else did we talk about in the throne speech today? Well, as expected, they certainly talked about universal basic income, pharmacare, national child care. Great. Mr. Singh talked about paid sick leave. And I don't think that was probably not in the throne speech. That was in Mr. Singh's reaction, but he said, we must have paid sick leave. And he will be having that discussion with Mr. Trudeau. Um, as it is, we cannot afford national daycare. But, oh, Quebec has it, and we need to, to work off the Quebec model. And they call it entitlements. Remember last night I freaked out about calling them entitlements. But, yes, they referred to that, this, the transition from, from EI to some sort of ongoing benefit and continue to talk about government having Canadians back and supporting Canadians and... All I could hear was the sound of the cash register because it's just more, more money, 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 more money. Oh, by the way, the government's going to spend more money. Did I mention the government's going to spend more money? Where is this money coming from? Well, it's coming from us, I guess. But, you know, it won't be coming from Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Newfoundland if there's no oil patch. It's absolutely ridiculous. This government wants to continue on a path of spending. And... Well, the problem with that is, is what Lewis had said the other day, is that obviously he and I am completely out of touch with 
the plurality of Canadians because 45% of Canadians want the deficits to continue. And the throne speech has made it quite clear that that is exactly what's going to happen because spending is actually going to end up going up and not down. Now, to switch gears just a little bit, for at least over a decade, I can remember for a certain as far back as 2009, when I have traveled abroad, I've always referred to myself as a Western Canadian. I'm from Western Canada. I would never tell people I'm from Canada. And I used to think that was probably because, well, obviously I must be a separatist who wants an independent Western Canada. And with when Wexit came along, I had a chance to test that theory and realize that it's, it's not that I'm a separatist. It's not that I believe in an independent Western Canada. I believe Western Canada would be much better off without being attached to the East. But I realized that there is no appetite for separation. But without a doubt, the people in Western Canada are nothing like Eastern Canada. And now, when I say Western Canada, quite honestly, I could say Canada west of Sudbury. I could even say Canada west of Owen Sound, Ontario. Because it's really southern Ontario and points east that are completely out of touch with everybody to the west of there. And unless maybe you, you don't count the lower mainland of Vancouver Island, or the lower mainland of British Columbia and the southern half of Vancouver Island, because they would probably do quite well with, with eastern Canada. But really, there's a very large swath of the country that doesn't think like the rest of these elitists. And that's probably why I say I'm a Western Canadian, because I just want to make certain that people understand that I'm not like them. I am definitely not like them. And the biggest problem with being not like them is I am hated by them. And you, if you live anywhere west of Owen Sound or Sudbury or Thunder Bay, Kamloops, Yellowknife, you are hated by them. And by them, yes, I'm talking about Eastern Canada, the Eastern elites, the Laurentian Triangle I've talked about. They have nothing but contempt for you and for me. And that contempt is proven really almost daily. But when you listen to the throne speech, it's obvious they don't care about you. They don't care about me. They want to say they've got your back. They want to say that by all means, yes, we'll we'll spend, spend, spend to get your vote. But it's not your vote. It's your money. Because if you live in those areas that I'm referring to, you're the ones that are actually involved in the industries, in the mining, in the agriculture, in the oil and gas sector. Those industries that are actually supplying the tax dollars with which those eastern elites are pouring money into the pockets of everybody else in this country. So we don't need them. They need us, yet they hate us, they spit on us, and we keep coming back for more. Now, point of personal privilege here, I'd mentioned in many previous shows that I've been active slash 
observing politics for 25 or 30 years, I suddenly realized today that I actually remember Joe Clark's minority government being defeated in 1980. Well, that's 41 years, that's 40 years ago. So I guess I've been actually aware of politics for 40 years. And isn't it funny that the one who first made me aware of politics and got me passionate and angry about politics was also a Trudeau. It was Trudeau the Elder, who openly hated Western Canada and certainly had a very hard time in Western Canada. And it was actually because of Pierre Elliott Trudeau that there was no Liberals elected west of Winnipeg for many, many elections. It was Pierre Trudeau that actually had the, the term salmon arm salute coined because of him. It was Pierre Trudeau that told someone to F off in an elevator in Vancouver. Pierre Trudeau was not very popular in Western Canada. And Justin Trudeau happened to be on that same train where the salmon arm salute was first created. So he's obviously developed his dad's hate of Western Canada. And unfortunately, that hate shows. So I just have to ask Western Canada, Western and Central Canada, and, you know, for that matter, the Maritimes, I don't know how much of a fan Trudeau is of the Maritimes either, but let's just ask ourselves, how much more are we going to take of getting kicked in the head by Ottawa and by the Laurentian elites before we finally say we had enough? Their boot is already on our throats, and pretty soon we will have no voice to protest with. So how much more are we willing to take of this from Eastern Canada? Does our entire country have to be destroyed along with our economy before we finally look up and say, maybe there's something wrong here? Because there are a lot of us out here who already see something's wrong. And when, when Canada, are we going to do something about it?